0: I just got this verse while we were singing. Uh, it's Proverbs 3:25. Uh, it says, Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor trouble from the wicked one when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. I think it just goes right along with what Susan was saying, talking about going towards that lampstand at the top of the hill. And don't be afraid of anything that comes up against you because the devil doesn't want us getting to whatever that lampstand is in our life. You know, he's trying to get us to get distracted or get off the path. But it says don't be, uh, don't be afraid of sudden terror. Don't be afraid of suddenly something coming up against you. But put your confidence in the Lord for the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught so we know that we can walk along that path, and we know that God is running after us with his reckless love, his love that's just going to come on us and just completely take us, you know, and put us into a place where we can co- uh, be covered by him. Um, uh, let's pray. I want to do announcements. Lord, we just thank you for this service. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your spirit just coming into this place uh, through worship to you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that... Uh, we just commit this service over to you, Lord. We give you our, we give you our time uh, being here. We give you this place, this place of worship, Lord. We give you every breath that we have, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do today in our hearts and in our minds. We thank you, Lord, that all our focus is over on you. I thank you, Lord, that you just bring us into a place uh, through your sacrifice that we can stand before God, being in right standing with him because of what you did. Uh, we just commit this service to you, Lord. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Me, you, you me, me. Just kidding. Uh, well, thank you for choosing to worship with us at Lighthouse Church today. If you're a guest, my name is Peter. This is my wife, Kristen. So uh, we're the pastors here at this church, which is still. Uh, Strange for us to say, since we're (laughs) kind of new, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, so we'll do announcements. I'll turn it over to my wife.
1: All right. Hallelujah. Boy, that was some good worship. Can we turn the air down or up, whichever one makes it cooler? (laughs) I was just thinking... Oh, well, maybe that's too silly to share. Oh, Emily, that was good. Praise and worship. So good. I just had this thought back in my older days, um, before I knew Christ and um, I was such a I was a drinker. I drank a lot to drink to have fun. That's how I let loose, that's how I I drank a lot not just drank I drank a lot when 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 I would drink I drink a lot but you know what It was interesting how you could meet a stranger but by the end of the night they're your best friend <laughs> but you know what like praise and worship and getting into the presence of God it's kind of like that you know if there's a reason why Jesus likened the Holy Spirit to wine he called it the new wine and like getting drunk in the spirit with you is so nice like We're best friends. (laughs) Okay, that's silly, but it's true. It it brings you closer to people, right, to get into the presence of God with them. And I love you. (laughs) I really do. That's not just drunk talk. (laughs) Oh, amen. Hallelujah. So I have some announcements I'm going to make. All right, so first of all, I want to just mention that the healing rooms are on today. Um, healing rooms are held over at Blackheath Baptist Church. Um, it's a workshop. It's a healing rooms workshop. Um, it's not associated with the Blackheath Baptist Church. It's its own separate thing. It's a movement in itself. It's at two o'clock today. And so, Carrie. Oh, it's a. Oh, it's a training. Oh, I understand. It's a work. It's a training workshop today. Yeah, they train people up to pray for those that come in that need healing. So today is a training workshop for that. So if that's something you want would want to get involved with, the Bible says we're to lay hands on the sick and they recover. So it's a good opportunity to get to get to do that. Um, that's at two o'clock today. Um, also um, another announcement is the medieval outreach. Um, do you want to share? Oh, thank you. Uh, the outreach at Ironfest, medieval festival at Lithgow showground that's april 27th and 28th Um, if you're interested in that ask carrie or susan it's an awesome opportunity to get out of the church and amen what is it cause giggles (laughs) well we do love the church but we're also called to go out of the church walls right and minister we can't expect all the fish to just swim in here right we got to go fishing amen All right, um, the other thing is Easter outreach. We are super excited about this. This is something our church is getting involved in. Um, We're hooking up with New Life Church. Um, uh, That's another Katoomba church over across the highway, pastored by Ian uh, Bartley. And so um, that's going to be, uh, what did we say? Oh, the 17th of April. This is an Easter outreach, so it's before Easter. Um, But we're going to have a planning day on the 16th uh, Saturday the 16th to kind of plan. So what we're going to do is we're going to show up. They have, we've been serving every Wednesday. We do go to this food solutions. I know we've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. So anyways, we, we go and we hand out food. Well, it's been an awesome door open to us that he's said, yeah, he welcomes the idea of evangelism. So we're going to start with the kiddos. We're going to start evangelizing the kids. And so, um, we're going to show up, and it'll kind of be at the same time as this food outreach that's happening. And so we're going to set up a um, Jupiter jump. We're going to have some games that we're going to play with the kids. We're going to have prizes and candy. Um, anyways, it's going to be a lot of fun, But so, and then a sausage sizzle will be after. Um, but we're going to give a gospel presentation, and it's really fun. This is something Peter and I, we have experience doing where... Um, you share the gospel we have a clown and so it, it's fun and exciting but you share the you share the gospel with the kids and give them an opportunity to receive Christ amen and so um, anyways we're really excited about it doing this it's called the ragman skit um, if you're interested in what that is you could look it up on uh, on YouTube but anyways there's no speaking there's no costumes it's all actions and so if anybody's interested in doing that um please uh, meet with Peter and I, because we need workers to, we really only te- technically need about eight to run our end of the deal, which is the Jupiter jump and the um, games and stuff. But we also have some volunteers from uh, Pastor Ian Bartley's church as well. So anyways, it's, it's going to come together. We're going to have all the labors we need, all the funds we need. Amen. It's going to come together. So we're really excited about that. So if you're interested, want to get involved, let us know. Is it? All righty. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Penn. Next week, that thing at the other place with the other people. <laughs> please remind me yes it's so on
1: saturday which is the second oh my gosh so next saturday is the combined uh saturday it's saturday yeah (laughs) um yeah so it's saturday so it's the combined uh prayer oh i've got the flyer right here national day of prayer and fasting saturday 2nd march 2019 so that's going to be held at the um the uh S- the Clair clairevo clairevo rooms cin- at the cinema oh no let me just i found it i found it all right give me a chance okay so uh, it's going to be held at the katoomba christian convention center at uh, the cinema room the Clairvaux building all right entrance 41 violet street you guys all know where that's at right Okay, well, we'll let okay. us know. Yeah. So anyways, we're, we're going to go to that. That's what our church is doing. That's how we're participating is getting involved with that
2: group prayer. Oh, Wasn't it nice having Phil join the team? Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Phil. <Bear. laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, it's actually if, if anyone else is feeling like they want to start learning instrument first time ever, you're never too old. I will impart to you any piece of musical information that I know. And I've um, got a few little students going at the moment, people coming up, starting to learn, so if you want to join in, it's all right. We'll get you going. Send you the YouTube links to get you going a bit further. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, seriously, if anyone you want to start learning some musical instruments, yep, we can get you in there. Uh, OK, I've had this thing on my heart for about a year And it just never really was the right time, but I feel like it's sort of the right time now. And that's, I really want to have an art ministry. So I've been trying to think about what that would be looking like and what that would mean. So at the moment, what I feel like is going on in my mind is, I just want to invite a whole bunch of people over and we'll just put on some worship music and do art just listen to God, you know, that sort of thing. So that's something that I try to do every week now with all of my free time. Um, and anyway, I just want to invite other people to come do it with me because so much fun and God always speaks to you, you know. And, you know, doing art is such a fun way to relax in his presence. So I just want to invite you, if anyone would like to, um, I can start planning in some events, maybe um, once every month or six weeks, and just have a couple-hour session. If you're interested, could you come and talk to me, and I'll just keep your names and make sure I'm emailing you all and keeping you all informed and stuff. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of new at this, and I'm not great at speaking, so... Yeah, I need a bit of a push sometimes, so... Um, Moses had that problem, he seemed alright in the end, <laughs> he came good, so yeah, um, yeah. just come talk to me and um, we'll try and start, I just feel like, you know, you, you kind of, you never get around to stuff and then like suddenly three months has gone by, I feel like I need to start, so push me, help push me along, make it, yeah, oh, it doesn't have to be painting, I've got printmaking set up, I've got drawing that we can do, I can... Teach you skills if you want skills or just let you r- go for it with the materials. Oh, my house. I think my house. I've got a really lovely view. It's a really peaceful house. Yeah. Absolutely not. No, no. Um, th- th- you know, do you have to be good at anything to give it a go? No, 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 no. You just you have a go. and yeah, we're, we're seeking God's presence more than trying to put the lines in the right place. Just seeking God. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, can you find a big piece of paper or a whiteboard or something for the illustration you're going to do later? Remember how I told you about that? Okay. Well, thank you for sharing, Emily. I'm looking forward to doing that. Even now I'm not good at art at all. I'll do it anyway. <laughs> soon. Um, And thank you whoever brought up Moses, because that's a good lead-in. I've just been stuck on Moses for like a while now. I think the last time I actually preached here was four or five Sundays ago, with all the events and things we've been having. Um, And I actually preached on Moses, and as I was preparing, God kind of brought me back around to Moses again. So um, I wanted to talk today about faith. Um, I'm hoping that this Moses thing isn't leading me into 40 years in the wilderness. That, that's, uh, really, that's not the lamppost at the top of my mountain. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Don't say things like that. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You'll be my Israelites wandering around the desert eating bread. Uh, um, yeah it's quite funny actually (laughs) Um, so faith is believing uh, that what God says is true and we all operate every day in some level of faith uh, like today We're all here because we have, even if we don't realize it, even the very smallest amount of faith just by being here. We believe that there is a God because we're coming here to worship this God. So whether you have this amazing, awesome faith that moves mountains or whether you have this small, tiny, little bit of faith just enough to bring you here to church to worship God, well, you have faith, all right? But it's not just faith, is not necessarily just a religious thing or a Christian thing. We also have all kinds of faith just like in our natural world that we live in. So for instance, the chair that you're sitting in, right, when you came into service today, you didn't flip the chair over and look at the welds and check to make sure all the screws were tight and, you know, make sure the back is securely connected. No, you just sat down in the chair because we have faith in the chair that it's actually going to hold us right? It's pretty, pretty basic faith. We just believe things are going to happen the way that they either say in the Bible or the way that they've always worked for us. Um, I always tell Kristen she has like this really amazing faith for fuel in a car because the light comes on and she just keeps right on driving. It's like she's just pushed it so far so many times that she knows no matter what there's going to be fuel in the tank. And so when we're going somewhere and fuel's getting low i always say to kristen well good thing you're with me because i need this fuel faith right now so uh, i don't rely on her fuel faith if she's not in the car because i've tried it it doesn't work for me so um and then there's other types of faith too some people have like this crazy faith in like parachutes and you've seen those like wingman people that like jump out of planes and stuff and they don't even have a parachute they just have this wingsuit. Well, I guess they have a parachute in the end, but, you know, and then there's also, like, um, the people that do bungee jumping. They have this faith in this piece of rope that's going to hold them and keep them from smashing themselves on the pavement or river or whatever they've jumped off of. Uh, And then we have a lot of people, too, here in Katoomba that operate in the kind of faith that we use every day, which is, you know, driving and these things. And I was thinking about how out at the Three Sisters they have, I think it's from... Either the first sister to the second one or from the cliff face to the first sister, there's that bridge, you know, that you can cross over. And I mean, hundreds of people are crossing over this thing, especially on the weekends. Tourists are going over it nonstop. Nobody, hardly anybody really, thinks about is this bridge going to hold me or not because why so many people have gone before them. And so it's almost like a faith building exercise in a way when you go down there and you're standing there and there's the bridge in front of you. And there's the little sister or whatever rock formation you want to call it. And you're watching other people walk. And whether you realize it or not, your faith in that bridge is being built because you see other people crossing across it in front of you. And so when you walk across it, you've now gotten faith through other people's actions that... You know, you can walk across the bridge and it's going to hold you. And I don't know how many people have actually done that, but you get to the other side and the rock is like swaying in the wind sometimes. It's really, uh, yeah, I've done it a couple of times. So let's look at uh, a scripture here. It's in Hebrews. Uh, It's Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews, I've lost you. I tried to mark all my scriptures today, but I missed this one. So uh, I'm going to read Hebrews from chapter 11, verse 30. And this is just some kind of, uh, by faith they overcome, it's called in my Bible. And it just talks about some actions of faith in the Old Testament. It says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? So it's a question. What more can he say besides that? For time would fail me to tell of, then he names these names Gideon and Barak and Samson and this other name that I've had a really hard time pronouncing, and also David and Solomon and the prophets. So he's saying that time would fail. I mean, there wouldn't even be enough time to talk about all these acts of faiths, but he goes on to name some of them. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens, and that's you read the Old Testament, we're not talking about outer space aliens, we're talking about people that come from other countries. Uh, Women received dead, raised to life again. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, in mountains, in dens, and in caves of the earth. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promised. But God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So here's a whole long list of all the different things people went through because of faith. Because they had faith in God. They believed that God was going to follow through on what he said he was going to do. And then it goes on to say at the end, they didn't even get to see the promise, which was Messiah, Jesus Christ, come through in their life, but they kept on right on believing, right on having faith. Um, this, hopefully, when you're reading some of this stuff, it's supposed to be inspiring. It's, it's, it's hard to get inspired when you're reading about people being thrown in prison, but it's supposed to be inspiring stories of what people have done because of their faith, right? But all of these things didn't happen in faith overnight faith is what i like to say is a muscle that needs to be grown you know they didn't just start off conquering kingdoms and we can kind of see this back to what i was talking about in the story of moses so if we go back into the old testament exodus uh, chapter three and i talked about this before moses has this burning bush experience right well this is moses's first encounter with god right because he was raised Um, by the Egyptians. So he wasn't following the Hebrew or the Israelite traditions of the time. Moses was raised as an Egyptian. So his first encounter with God was this burning bush experience. And God at this time lays out all of these plans uh, for Moses to do. That Moses is going to go rescue the Israelites from Egypt. In verse 17, chapter 3, uh, God also talks about telling him how He's going to bring him out of the land of Egypt and take these people into the land, what God calls uh, the land of milk and honey, the end of verse 17. Um, he goes on to say, talking about how uh, the Pharaoh's heart is going to harden and that he's not going to let the people go, but God is going to do signs and wonders. And so Moses has this burning bush experience with God. So this is his first chance that Moses has really to show any faith in God at all. So like I was talking about, he has this small amount of faith because he obviously turned to see the burning bush. So he had something inside of him, something inside of him that was growing, something inside of him that was building up to being able to have the great faith that took him all the way through. So he has this burning bush experience. But his faith still needs to grow because you can see in chapter four, right after uh, God has finished speaking and saying all these things, all the stuff that Moses is going to do. Moses then says, chapter four, verse one, it says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, when I kind of read that, yeah, that's Moses saying, well, suppose they won't believe but I kind of get this picture of Moses kind of pushing it off on them, when really it's more about him. Suppose I don't fully believe God. What, what else can you do? What else can you show me? How else can you build my faith, like I'm talking about, in this area? So apart from actually going out there and doing these miracles, Moses and God now have this little interaction, this little faith-building interaction, that's what I'm calling it, where verse 3 Uh, He talks about taking the rod and throwing it down on the ground. And it becomes a snake. And then after that he has the hand he puts inside his cloak. And he pulls it out and has leprosy. And then he puts it back and it's again healed. And then also there's another one that God puts on in verse 9. That they don't even perform. He just says you could also do this. Where it talks about taking a bucket of water from the river. And pouring it out on the ground. And when he pours it out on the ground it would turn to blood. So... God what he does there when Moses is questioning, because Moses is kind of questioning enough, kinda of saying, Where do I have faith for this? Do I have enough belief in God to actually pull this off? Or are people gonna believe me? You know, so God lays out these couple of little things here to help build his faith, right? Building his faith. So it shows him these different signs. So he goes from burning bush to uh the rod turning into a stake, the leprosy hand, and then also the third one that he doesn't actually do which has turned the water to blood, and through this whole process, God's getting ready, getting Moses ready to be able to go to Egypt and actually confront Pharaoh and actually have these signs and wonders, which are the plagues um, of Egypt. Right. So during this whole time that Moses is doing this, Moses' faith is starting to grow so through the whole course of the plagues, through the whole, you know, everything that happens in Egypt, Moses' faith is growing, right? And slowly and slowly his faith grows, his faith grows, his faith grows, to where when he gets to the Red Sea, you know, in all the other times, it's the chapters start off, if you go through, the chapters start off by saying the Lord said, the Lord said this, the Lord said that, the Lord said this, the Lord said that, and then Moses did it. Well, when they get to the Red Sea, it's actually Moses goes straight to the re- or to the people At the Red Sea, who are now saying, of course, the Israelites are kind of back and forth on their faith as a whole group. You know, they kind of go up and down. So when they get to the Red Sea, they're already saying, what have you done, Moses? You know, we've got to go back to Egypt. We We can't cross this Red Sea. Let's go back. Maybe Pharaoh will forgive us. You know, we'll just kind of start over and we'll go back to building bricks with no straw. Because that's kind of what happens to them. And so, uh, but at this point, when Moses gets to the Red Sea, his faith has grown so much that he doesn't wait for God to say something. He actually turns to the Israelites and says to them, God's going to deliver us from this. And then after he says that, that's when God says, okay, go to the Red Sea with your rod and split the waters. And obviously, I'm summing up because a lot of people know the story. It's not how it says exactly in the Bible. (laughs) So... um, But there's a change in Moses, is the point I'm trying to make. There's a change as you read through it, and there's a lot of chapters because a lot of things kind of happen leading up to it. But there's a change in Moses where he stops from waiting for God to say something to where when something comes up, which is the Red Sea crossing, he says something first. So we're talking about faith building. So all of those miracles, all of that stuff that happened to Moses, Builds his faith to a point where he knows God is going to do something so he goes from splitting the Red Sea Then he uh, gets the manna from heaven. They turn the bitter waters of the stream to sweet so they have something to drink You know and so it was Moses's faith through all of these little things that he did leading up to the Red Sea Moses's faith from then on actually carries the children of Israel and that whole tribe through the desert through that 40 years of wilderness you know because they if you read it and it's like i said it's a lot of chapters so all of that would go from basically exodus to joshua and there's like four books so but if you read it going through the israelites are constantly kind of turning away from god that's why i'm saying it's moses's faith after all these experiences that carry them through like when he goes up to mount sinai and gets the ten commandments they uh you know by the time he gets back after getting this whole law and the Ten Commandments and everything, you know, they've constructed a golden calf. And they're, you know, worshiping this golden calf, you know. And then before that, before they get the manna from heaven, they're saying, oh, well, let's go back to Egypt again unless they gave us food, you know. And then the water, before they got the water, they're saying, oh, you let us, came and brought us out here to starve and die of thirst, you know. So they're constantly, you know, going back. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's, you know, forget God. He's not mm-hmm. doing it. So it's, that's what I'm saying. Is Moses was, it was Moses' faith that really brought them all the way through and so um and that was through that faith building through all the plagues through all the you know starting with this burning bush experience which was a miracle in itself that's what grew his faith one step after another one step after another until he could just fully believe to carry these thousands of people you know through the 40 years of wilderness um so thank goodness there was always somebody there to bail out these Israelites who were constantly falling back. And so if you go through, it's kind of a pattern that happens. So the next thing, in, if you go to Joshua, the book of Joshua. Uh, so now here they are about to cross over the Jordan River. Uh, so they're in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses passes away goes on to the lord and then so here's joshua he takes over as running the israelites he's now the i guess it's not technically a king at that point in time but he's now the head of the israelites and he is in charge of taking them over the jordan river so at this point in time all of the people that came out of egypt uh, that generation of people has passed away. And so now there's this whole new generation of people that have to cross over the Jordan, and now they have to conquer this promised land. Yeah, it's a land of milk and honey, but it was full of giants and all these other you know tribes and people that owned that land, even though God said it belonged to the Israelites. Other people still owned it. So they had to conquer it. So the very first thing they do is come up against this city of Jericho. And so if you read in the Bible... Um, it talks about, I jumped ahead, but there's actually, I was looking up Jericho because I've always heard that they say that the walls of Jericho were so thick that they could raise chariots on top of it. Has anybody else heard that? Anybody? Yeah. So I wasn't actually able to find that specific line anywhere on Google, so I think they got it wrong, Google. But, um, but it did talk about, and in the Bible, some of the Bible dictionaries I have, it talks about how Jericho was this trading hub. So it was the the position it was in by the sea of something anybody anybody no? can't remember? There's an ocean sea thing right there by Jericho. I can't remember what it's now. Anyway, so there's this, uh, Jericho was this trading hub. And so just back in those days, since it was a trading hub, it would have been a sizable city. And it talks about it being a double-walled city. So there was an inner city that had a wall around it, and then an outer city that had a wall around it. So it wasn't a small city. So now there is some secular archaeologists nowadays that I guess apparently are over there digging and they're saying Jericho was actually just a tiny little fort uh, probably made out of not stones but like some kind of limestone which I guess is still stone but they're trying to discount how great of the city it was but it was so many years ago I don't know how they can tell anyway but it doesn't really matter though the size of the city because it goes it talks about in the Bible how Um, In chapter 6, it says Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of of Israel and that nobody went out and no one came in. So no matter the size of the city, it doesn't really matter. It was completely closed up. And so they were were in there tight. They weren't coming in or out. And uh, so from a military or tactical standpoint, the best thing to do would just be to stand back and watch and wait wait for them to either starve inside the city because they're too scared to come out or wait for them to get to the point where they're so uh lack so much supplies that they're all weak you know and kind of getting destitute anyway so now they come out to battle and then you easily take them it wasn't tactically uh accurate for them to do what god told them to do which was everybody knows the story of jericho march around the city quietly Blue-handed. march around the city quietly you know with the Ark of the Covenant and then uh, on the seventh day they march around it seven times and then they all shout and the walls fell down right and so this wasn't uh, it wasn't probably the best thing for them to do you know from a military standpoint but it was the best thing for them to do as far as God was concerned And I think the biggest reason they needed to do that was because it goes back to this faith exercise or a way to build their faith. See, the generation that crossed over the Jordan had lived on manna from heaven and water from a stream that was sweet. They didn't witness, you know, Moses going up to Mount Sinai and getting the Ten Commandments. They were just living under the law because that's what their fathers did. And that's what their grandfathers did they were just living under it and they hadn't really seen i mean they still had the uh, pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night so they still had some of the basics of what god was doing for israelites at the time but they didn't go through this whole crossing red sea and all those plagues of egypt and so god needed to do something right off the bat to show them that they put their faith in him and they're going to take this land and so after the week of jericho excuse me, and the walls fall down. They completely, you know, sack the entire city. Everybody dies uh, inside the city, kind of morbid, but that's what happens. So they completely take over the city, and instantly their faith goes from, yeah, we know God can do stuff to, yeah, we know God can do stuff. And then from there on out, there's like the whole book of Joshua, I think. Well, not the whole book. But through to chapter 12, it's just like one city after another. God says, go to this city. Okay, some of you stay here. Some of you go over there. And boom, they take over the city. And there's no questioning for the next 12 chapters. And the 12 chapters takes actually quite a long period of time. But there's no questioning about what God's doing or how he's doing it. They went instantly, had this huge leap of faith because of Jericho. And so it wasn't just, it doesn't really matter the size of the city. No matter what, the city was closed up and they couldn't get in and nobody could get out. So no matter what, you know, God used it as a way to build their faith. And so from that point on, they just went from one, you know, miracle or one leading of the Holy Spirit or one act of God to the next without questioning. And if you go to chapter 12, uh, Joshua chapter 12, I'm not going to read this because there's way too many names and I'm terrible with it. But chapter 12, verse 7, you can just see the list there if it's laid out the same way. It is in my Bible of all these kingdoms. It says the king of this and the king of that and the king of this and the king of that. But these are the kingdoms that were conquered by Joshua. So that's just from Jericho, uh, which is chapter 6 through chapter 12. So he just, they just went for it, one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. And so, uh, yeah, faith-building exercise. They weren't just sitting around doing nothing, or they weren't just still stuck looking at the burning bush, of, like for Moses. You know, he went from burning bush to the rod and the snake. He went from the rod and the snake to the leprosy hand. He went from the leprosy hand, you know, to the plagues of Egypt. He went from the plagues of Egypt to crossing the Red Sea. He went from the Red Sea to, you know, going through the desert and having all their needs met. And then from there they went to Joshua taking over and then Jericho. And so it wasn't just One thing happens, and then they just kept right on going down that path forever. No, their faith was built, and they increased, and they went, and they grew, and they did what God had for them to do. So it wasn't just standing still and looking at the burning bush. It was a constant moving and a constant growing of their faith. And so did you get a piece of paper? Emily shared this really great illustration at worship practice and I told her I was going to use it, so I don't need a copyright or anything. But so I, I am going to use it because I think it's a really good way to explain uh, what I'm talking about. And so the question is that I kind of want to leave you with is where is your faith? Is your faith standing still? just staring at the burning bush, staring at the last thing God did for you, staring at the last miracle or picture that God showed you, or is your faith moving and growing, like from the bush to the snake in the rod, from the snake in the rod, and so on and so forth, all the way to where you can look at a Jericho, a walled city where no one's moving in and out, and you know that God's going to do a work through you to conquer it. It doesn't matter, you know, what is its, whether it's healing or financial things or whether it's Uh, something in ministry where like with the uh, food outreach Um, I tell you too that I just had the best time at this food outreach on Wednesday thank you if you guys were praying or whatever but it was just like doors for communication and contact with people were just like blown open it was amazing Uh, I was struggling to do these little tasks that I have to do because so many people I mean I had one guy just walk up to me and say oh aren't you Peter someone told me I should meet you and, I'm, and he couldn't think for the rest of the time who told him to meet me. But anyway, it's just, yeah, thank you guys for praying. So, yeah, so what's our faith doing? Is it standing still? Do you want to hold the paper? Oh, yeah, look at this. Are you going to write in it? Okay, I have, a, I have a small visual. So this is, uh, how many boxes? One, two, three, four, five. Oh, we do a good job. So we have five boxes. <laughs> so um, these are different boxes kind of of our faith level. Can you do you might to stand over here because the pulpit's in the way. So we've got, uh, so if we look at the story of Moses and what I've been talking about. So box one is Moses' burning bush experience. Right? So here is Moses living in box one, and he could stay in box one. Because the burning bush experience for Moses was obviously quite a revelation to him. And there was no doubt that obviously the bush for Moses was, or I mean the bush was God in Moses' life. I mean a bush just doesn't catch on fire and sit there and burn without being consumed unless it's God. It just doesn't happen. And so Moses probably, the way I look at it, was comfortable right here in this box one. Which is Moses' is. Uh, comfort zone his burning bush experience his obvious act of God moving in his life do you want to write in there stuff or do you think it's okay okay so box two sorry maybe you do. teach box two is Moses's uh, s- snake rod leprosy uh, water action so here's Moses growing to box two his bigger step Box three is uh, the Exodus plagues. It grows Moses even more. Box four is the Red Sea. Uh, Manna from heaven, water from the stream. The law that he gets from Mount Sinai. All these things. And um, also the smoke and fire uh, by night that God leaves them through. And then uh, box five is Jericho and the promised land. And then out here all around, which is box six for Moses, would actually be Jesus and the coming Messiah, right? So, Moses didn't go from box one, burning bush experience, to box five, you know, Jericho and the promised land. He worked through... His faith boxes, I'm coming up with all kinds of good names here. <laughs> he worked through his faith boxes to a point where he was way out here on the outside. Right out there, you know, when he died, he was releasing Joshua and saying, you guys go now into the promised land. So although Moses didn't cross over, that's where his faith was. That's the faith he was operating in for 40 years, wandering through the desert. He was getting, trying to get these people over to the promised land and to Jericho. So if we look at it in our own life, which box of faith are we operating in? You know? And so that's what's something that Emily was talking about with worship practice. You know, are we just sitting here in box one being totally comfortable with the strings we know and how to play and the, and the drumming that we can do or, you know, or whatever? Or are we operating in box two or box three where you have to push yourself into a point of reliance with God? knowing that he is going to take over where you've left off, you know. It was Moses that looked at the burning bush, but it was God that did all the working, you know. So that's my, back to my question, what is your faith doing? Are you just operating right here in this box one place, or are you pushing yourself to box two, pushing yourself to box three? And where's your goals? What's happening? What's your box six you know, are you, are you seeking the Lord and is he showing you your box six? What's, you know, where is your life 10 years from now? And I'm not the right person to be talking about that because I'm terrible at long-term goals. But, you know, where is your life going? What's happening? You know, that's 40 years for Moses. But, you know, if we're just stuck in box one all the time, if we're just stuck there, thank you. <laughs> if we're just stuck in box one all the time, just being totally comfortable with what's happening, then is our faith actually gr- growing? Are we getting to that box two? Are we allowing ourselves to be reliant over on God and increasing our boxes of faith and increasing our spread out to the goals and the plans that God has for us? So I'll leave you with that question. Where is your faith? Is it standing still? Are you stuck, stagnant in box one? Or are you really pushing yourself? and increasing out to the other boxes of your faith so let's pray yes the bible definitely can help us do that Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of god so the bible definitely can help increase our faith Uh, so thank you lord thank you lord for uh this word that you gave me today thank you lord for uh Just uh, your sweet presence in this room today of uh, family, of encouragement, of uh, uh, just grace to be who you've called us to be, and I just thank you, Lord, for uh, just these boxes, just a simple illustration of showing us uh, how you're moving and what you're doing in our lives. I just thank you, Lord, that you help each and every one of us push from that place of just being totally comfortable in box one, knowing that. Uh, The faith we have now uh, is is just absolutely working, and we're totally comfortable in it. But, Lord, will you help us just increase our faith, grow us into those box twos, box threes, box four areas, and and show us also, Lord, that box six, that greater uh, uh, depth of you that you have for us, that uh, greater goals and plans that you have for our life that we're not operating in. I just thank you, Lord, that you're... uh, Bringing us into a place that all of this is uh, getting us into a place where we can have a better and closer relationship with you. And that was always the goal for the Israelites as they wandered, as they crossed into the promised land. It was always the plan to bring them into closer to you and get them into a place where they could have right standing with you. uh, We just thank you for this word uh, this morning. We just pray that it. Sinks down on the insides of us and changes our heart, and puts us puts us where we need to be. Uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. Kristen, are you going to do? you Out of bed and in church.
1: Yes. <sighs> Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and take communion.